Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting edition of Sovereign BTC, your guide to the practical side of everyday Bitcoin use. This is episode number 18, and today we're going to be chatting about Tatiana Coin and Bitcoin 2.0 in general. We'll be joined by Tatiana Moreau, she's a singer-songwriter, and Adam Levine of the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast. And we're going to get in-depth what Tatiana Coin is all about, and we're going to use that as a means of opening up the broader discussion on Bitcoin 2.0 and uh, the multiple applications that are out there for the Bitcoin blockchain and blockchain technology in general besides just currency. I hope it's uh, educational and informative for you. Really excited about what's taking place in this space. And as we'll discuss in the interview, Bitcoin and the blockchain protocols and technologies are just really disrupting every industry. No industry is safe from Bitcoin and this technology. It's turning everything upside down. It's giving power back to the people, away from the monopolies. It's really the best way to bust monopolies. We don't need uh, the federal government to do so, even though they're probably the biggest monopoly out there. We can do it on our own using this technology, and Tatiana Coin is just one of many examples. I want to thank our sponsors real quick, Bitmain Tech, bitmaintech.com. They are the mining manufacturer that brought you the Antminer S1, which is Really affordable right now. You get 180 giga hash, 360 watts. They also launched the Antminer S2, which is 1,000 giga hash, aka one tera hash, for only 1,000 watts. A lot of great people behind that company. They are trusted and well respected. So check them out. I want to thank them for their support of the show. That's bitmaintech.com. Okay, let's get on with the interview. We chat with Adam Levine and Tatiana Moroz about Tatiana Coin and Bitcoin 2.0 in general. We're joined by Tatiana Moroz. She's a singer, songwriter, activist, Bitcoin enthusiast, and she is the founder of Tatiana Coin, which we're going to be discussing in detail. And we're also joined by Adam B. Levine of Let's Talk Bitcoin, who's also quite the uh, Bitcoin 2.0 enthusiast. Uh, Maybe that's an understatement. We're going to chat about Tatiana Coin, which seems to be really exciting and has the opportunity to shake up the music industry. And we're going to use it that uh, conversation to explore the broader area, the broader space of Bitcoin 2.0 and how this new phenomenon where individual users can go in and set up their own coin and create advantages for people that purchase the coin and all sorts of exciting stuff. So thank you for coming on the program, guys. How are you all doing this afternoon? Very well, thanks. How are you? Great. I'm pretty good, John. Thanks for having us. I always like to start my interviews by asking how you guys heard about Bitcoin. So why don't we start with you, Tatiana? I first heard about Bitcoin um, down in Tampa. We were doing a, um, a Dr. Paul kind of festival down there. And Tony Gallippi from BitPay, he just started BitPay and he basically sponsored me down there. Um, and he tried to explain to me what Bitcoin was and he even gave me a Bitcoin and I didn't All really right. care. <laughs> I, was, I couldn't really grasp it, but I got some back then. Cool. Um, I got into Bitcoin first. I started – I stumbled across it um, – after I started researching, you know, about financial innovation in general, like kind of the path that we'd taken over the last twenty or thirty years, um, and that kind of led me to early Bitcoin. And I initially dismissed it. Um, I the first time I didn't buy Bitcoin was uh, was from someone named Bitcoin Morpheus who wanted me to send him cash in an envelope to an address to I think it was a PO box in Washington D.C. So I didn't buy Bitcoin then. There have been a variety of times like that. So I, I've been in and out of Bitcoin since. Uh, about 2011, and in 2013, I jumped in with Let's Talk Bitcoin, and it's pretty much been full-time in the space since then. Nice. Now, a lot of people have heard about Bitcoin and even familiarized themselves with it. A lot of people even own it and use it, 
But, uh, you know, it takes a special person to turn into a Bitcoin uh, for Bitcoin to be an obsession for them and almost a career about Bitcoin specifically that's led you to to be so, so passionate about it and just basically incorporated into your lifestyle. You know, I felt very disillusioned with what had happened with the Ron Paul election. I became just basically over the whole system and I didn't think that um, all the efforts that these people had put in were really worth anything. It was sort of like banging your head against the wall. When I started to see the opportunity that Bitcoin afforded people to expand their businesses, to send money around the world, and to, most importantly, take out support for the foreign policy mistakes that this country is making, and just the war machine in general, uh, I thought that that was, was in line with what I was trying to do, but it was more positive and, and more driven than just standing around with a bunch of signs and protesting. Nice. Proactive. Before I got into Bitcoin, the most recent time, I had moved, actually. We rented our house that I bought a couple of years before and uh, moved to the to the forest, basically, and was planning on spending full time on basically permaculture projects. So, yeah, I think that nice. Bitcoin is an actionable – it's like something that you can actually help push forward. You can help this technology to succeed where lacking – your good work, maybe it wouldn't necessarily succeed. And for me, the most important part about all of this is decentralization breaks monopolies. Monopolies mm -hmm. basically mean that the market doesn't matter because there's only one option. And in a market where there's only one option, even a bad option will suffice if it's the only option and it's an important thing. And so cryptocurrency mm -hmm. fundamentally allows us to break those bonds and to say, okay, well, sure, that's one choice, but now it's one choice of several or of many choices as opposed to just one choice among you know, the, the one. So cryptocurrency, again, For like sure. the, the decentralized technologies have all of the tools built in to completely reinvent the world. And to me, that's worth throwing my life at. Nice. The opportunity, the potential for Bitcoin and decentralized peer-to-peer -peer technology in general to disrupt the status quo and upend the monopolies and really empower people to, to fulfill their, their dreams and their ends and their destiny without having some external actor or external organization constantly holding them down. I think that's what really the promise was. For myself, it sounds like there's a lot of overlap in, in y'all's sentiments as well. Yeah, equality Tatiana, of opportunity. Tatiana, why don't you tell us? For sure. Yeah, it levels the playing field. And I think the man is uh, shaking in his boots, as he should be. Uh, Tatiana, tell us about your musical career and tell us how you're using the Bitcoin protocol and Bitcoin in general to empower what you're doing. I've been singing as long as I can remember. It was always something that was that was always my main goal when I was little. Also, when I was little, I listened to a lot of different kinds of protest music, just music with a message, a lot of Cat Stevens and Simon and Garfunkel and stuff like that. I wanted to participate in some sort of, you know, my own generation's, you know, civil rights movement, but there just wasn't anything that I could find that really spoke to me. So I eventually found my way to Dennis Kucinich, who I also liked at the same time as Ron Paul. But then I liked Ron Paul better because I learned a lot about the Federal Reserve mm -hmm. and Austrian economics, which really kind of pushed me over into that um, libertarian field. Um, the dark side. <laughs> so uh, I ended up doing a lot of different shows in 2012 for the campaign and just at, like a lot of different protests. Everybody was really warm and welcoming. And then it kind of moved over into the crypto world. Tell us about Tatiana Coin. What is it? What does it do? And how is it going to further your mission and your music? Tatiana Coin is a big experiment that we're doing. People have been kind of throwing it out at me since February, and I kind of thought it was a joke, but apparently it wasn't because here we are and we're about to launch it. Adam's been advising me, you know, we're working with Coin Powers and Counterparty and also Distributed Buzz. Tatiana Coins can be used for um, all different kinds of things that basically content that I'm creating. 
Eventually, we'd like to see them kind of trading against other artist coins. But for now, the way I look at it, I'm already creating content that people are interested in and people can support me in advance, give me the money in order to get the projects off the ground. And then they can cash in their tokens whenever they want for whatever products they want. Or they can hopefully, if I become more successful, they can sell those tokens to some of my other fans and they'll be worth more at that time as well. So awesome. we're kind of checking it out. We're not really sure how it's going to look, but... Either way, people can buy fun stuff for me with That's Tatiana right. coins. Sounds That's like exclusive. A, a grand experiment. So you're utilizing this coin in order for your supporters and fans to invest in your music and have a share and, and have take ownership in really what it is that you're doing. They get the album in, in return. Is that how it works? They're just part of my club. You know what I mean? They're my supporters and, and they're part of my family now. And the family kind of helps get the word out about me. And, and yeah, I guess that's that's how they're involved. I hope that it leads to a long-term relationship with people versus something that's a little bit short-term in the crowdfunding normally. Cool. The word invest is kind of a funny word when it comes to these things because there's no legal liability, right? There's no contract that's being signed. There's nothing like that. All these things are, they're reputational tokens. So if Tatiana mm-hmm. raises funds using this mechanism and she says to people, we're going to honor it for, we're, you know, you'll be able to use this token to buy my album and you'll be able to use it to bid for house parties, do a concert at your, uh, at your location. All of those things, if she follows through with them, then the, the bargain is fulfilled. It's not a written mm-hmm. bargain. It's a she says, this is what the deal is, and then that's what the deal that she actually delivers is. And so again, mm-hmm. these aren't really investments. They're really much more like donations. And then what happens is that over time, the artist turns it from a donation into something that's validated, something that has value because they've followed through with what they said. You know, I mean, it's easy. Mm-hmm. I, I could say, John, you know, I'm fundraising right now for, you know, something arbitrary that, has, that requires a huge amount of money. Please give it to me. And so long as you give it to me, I'm good. It doesn't really matter. It only becomes valuable valuable to you at the point where I deliver what it is that I promised to you. And it's much the same here. Yeah. And the more you come through on your promises, the more value that people will find. Right. And that's the other thing is that, you know, with protocols like Bitcoin or protocols, you know, or any of the conventional coins we've seen to this point, you have only had the ability to set that number at the beginning, right? You say, okay, these are the rules. Bitcoins come out every 10 minutes by this many on this date, it gets cut in half. And that's, that's the rules forever. That makes sense when you have a network that is transactional, where the whole point of it is to be neutral. But something like Tatiana Coin is inherently not neutral. If Tatiana dies, then Tatiana Coin would not be as valuable as it would be before because she won't be able to deliver on the value. So it actually is. The value is centralized in her. So that's really what it is. It's a question of what is it that you want to support and do you believe in the reputation of the person? Do you believe that they have more to lose by not delivering on whatever it is that they say that they're going to do than by delivering? And so Tatiana Coin is a great project to start with because for the cryptocurrency side, it's on the smaller side with our you know minimum threshold being at about $25,000 US dollars converted. Obviously, we're only accepting Bitcoin and uh, XCP, though, uh, as the actual ways that you can donate. And so what could people get, assuming that Tatiana delivers, if they buy into the Tatiana coin? What are some of the rewards or what are some of the things that they're going to be getting in exchange? I understand that this is going to help fund your third album and a tour that you're going to have on that album. Yeah, that's correct. So there's going to be there's a number of different projects that I'm working on for the new year. First thing is going to be the third album in order to kind of break even. I mean, I'm going to do that no matter what. So basically, you know, there'll be the first record, then there'll be a tour associated with promoting that third album. Then there's going to be a video series kind of documenting my my touring process and 
I meet so many cool people while I'm out on the road that are doing different things. And I think that Bitcoin is a unifying thread explored in a fun, accessible way for people. And then eventually what I'd like to do is have the first ever crypto music label and recording studio. That would take some old ideas I had about changing the recording studio model and then incorporating a lot of the ideas that me and Adam have been talking about and exploring and kind of seeing where that would go. There's a lot of different kinds of tiers. And then the prizes are, you know, writing them a jingle. It could be Skype hangout. It could be hanging out with me in the recording studio or going to special exclusive events. You know, at all these different conferences, we would be doing different kind of parties and stuff like that so people mm-hmm. can come along. Tatiana, correct me if I'm wrong here. The goal with this is to make it so that whatever it is that you as an artist do, there's something that's available that you can do with Tatiana Coin that's a little bit better or cheaper or that you just can't do without Tatiana Coin, right? Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, Adam should do all the talking explaining these things. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of learning about it. And, and yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. Spot on. Well, tell I mean, me there's Tatiana. always going to be content no matter what. So it should be worth something as long as they don't think I'm a terrible artist. <laughs> <laughs> which, which you're not. You're amazing. Tell me, uh, you have experience in the music industry. I understand you, you worked uh, at a professional production studio and, and you've been doing your thing with your music career. How does Tatiana coin or similar artist coins, what's the implications for disrupting the status quo content that artists put out? You kind of, you know, you get a lot of money and you get a good record deal and maybe it gets out in front of a lot of people, but sometimes you have to sell your soul. How does Tatiana coin or other artist coins hope to disrupt that? Well, there's no soul sale required. (laughs) Um, Basically, you know, I've worked in a ton of really amazing, like the nicest recording studios in New York. And I've done the business management, operations management, and, you know, managing staff and stuff like that. You know, it was very frustrating because there's a lot of things along the music industry side that are just corrupt. You know, they have a lot of really terrible artists being put out. There's a lot of unused time in the studio. I've had this behind the scenes look, and I know... I know how to fix it. (laughs) And unfortunately, you know, when you have a, you know, a certain structure within a company, if there's somebody in the company that's kind of blocking it, you you have a lot of limitations, you know, with cryptocurrency and kind of like decentralizing those um, authority points, I guess, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I wonder if you couldn't get something better. And also you can make the the relationship with the fans directly with the artist Mm -hmm. and just have the studio be almost like a one-stop shop to get all the, all the stuff out there. There's a lot to think about. But right now with Tatiana Coin, I want to see if we can raise some money and see how this actual thing works. And then I'd love to apply it to a lot of different other artists and and just models in general. That's great. Maybe it's a good opportunity to open up the discussion to exploring the broader implications of this Bitcoin 2.0 protocol in general. A lot of people, especially the general public, are unfamiliar with the alternative applications of the Bitcoin network. Many people just refer to it as a currency or a payment system, but really it's it's much more than that. And Tatiana Coin is just one demonstration of the possibilities that the blockchain allows for. Adam, can you tell us more about Bitcoin 2.0 in general and how the blockchain can be used in ways besides just a medium of exchange? Yeah, absolutely, John. Bitcoin 2.0 is a funny term that I've really resisted saying for a long time and I've fallen into saying it. Just say it. Yeah. But um, I know I've already said it on this because again, like it's the, it's the way that people understand this technology is a broad category. The way that I look at these technologies, the, the, okay. So again, there, there are two concepts here. One is a meta coin, M E T A coin. And the idea of a meta coin is that it's a blockchain like Bitcoin. And then on top of it, it is designed to have new coins like Tatiana coin built. 
So mm-hmm. that's a MetaCoin. Bitcoin 2.0 specifically refers to MetaCoins that are built on top of the Bitcoin platform itself. Okay. So while you have MetaCoins or Meta platforms like NXT or uh, BitShares is one that's coming out that'll be doing something similar, um, they are mm-hmm. built on entirely new blockchains. And so they don't have com- uh, cross-compatibility with Bitcoin. Whereas a Tatiana coin address is exactly the same and identical to a Bitcoin address. And it can hold and own both Bitcoin and Tatiana coin and any other mm-hmm. number of currencies that are built on top of or tokens that are built on top of a protocol built on top of Bitcoin. So okay. that's really – that's it's kind of confusing. But for people who want to start coins for fundraising projects or for rewards programs like we're doing with LTB coin or any sort of variety of other concepts, this means that rather than having to start your own chain and then go through all of the rigmarole, technical difficulties, frankly, security concerns, and then maintenance and upkeep, mm-hmm. you no longer have to do that. All you have to do is instead pay 0.5 XCP or on MasterCoin, I'm not sure what the fee is, create an asset – and then imbue that asset with value. So instead of so just like Bitcoin, none of these tokens start off valuable. They become valuable over time as their reputation is proven, as it see, as people see that they're not being stolen, as people see that you know the deal is being followed according to what they thought it was. And so that's that's how all of these things happen. But it's so much easier if you can just start with an already secure blockchain that mm-hmm. most of the people who are interested in cryptocurrency already have. So you don't have to ask them to do anything. Outside of just support some of what you're doing and get back some of your token to their same address. Now, on the technical side, uh, referring to non-MetaCoin but a Bitcoin 2.0 application, wh- how does it exactly work? Correct me if I'm wrong. So someone would send a millibit or a Satoshi and along with that transaction, there's data embedded in that transaction that is then – picked up and examined or run through a separate protocol like uh, Counterparty or another one that runs on top of Bitcoin. Is that correct? There's data embedded in the transaction itself that you can then do other things with? Yes, there's data embedded in the transaction itself that you can then do other things with. It's much more than a Satoshi. This is something that people don't appreciate. And it's something that I didn't really appreciate until we started using these systems for a while is that when you send something, it requires, you know, point zero 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 one zero two or something like that, uh, Bitcoin as a transaction fee. So even if you're not sending Bitcoin, you're just sending Tatiana coin, there's still this really small transaction fee. In practice, what we see is that while people view these protocols like Counterparty or MasterCoin as free riding on top of Bitcoin because they use the Bitcoin blockchain to store this data, they are in fact paying more in transaction fees than just about any other type of transaction out there. You know, right now it doesn't matter so much, but eventually that could be a real thing. It could be, you know, the transaction fees simply are the way that miners are monetizing their effort. And this is another way where increased volume and, frankly, higher transaction fees per transaction could make that very possible. Interesting. Tell us about Counterparty and what are some of the other alternatives to Counterparty that use the Bitcoin blockchain? It's just MasterCoin and Counterparty. There are a couple of other protocols that are not you know, built around uh, Bitcoin. But as far as on top of Bitcoin, that's pretty much it. What are the differences between the two? MasterCoin was the original project. One could say that Counterparty learned a lot from MasterCoin and they, you know, okay, so this is kind of a hard question to answer because again, in Bitcoin, time really matters a lot. So when MasterCoin started up, it was a absolutely brilliant first-of-its-kind idea that succeeded in raising more money than anybody else had until that point with an idea like this. 
over the next several months while they started developing it, they ran into problems because they had money. And so having money is sometimes a problem unto itself because you need to spend it right. Otherwise, the people who gave it to you get upset. They also found some problems in the protocol and had to do some changes. And also they had a founder, the J.R. Willits. You know, I like the guy personally, but I think that founders who don't understand the power of their voice when they control a large portion of the currency can do damage. And I think that uh, early on, JR said some things that made a lot of people just kind of write off the protocol. That being said, they recently launched Made Safe, and they recently, and I know that they have several other projects coming up. Um, I have a lot of respect for the team. I think that they've done a great job of turning things around, and there have been a lot of improvements over the last, I'd say, five or six months since I really started uh, looking at the project. But at the same time, they're trying to take a more centralized approach to it, where when somebody launches a token with them, they would like you to work with the MasterCoin Foundation. And so that presents a barrier in some circumstances that Counterparty doesn't. Counterparty is much more like you get a good toolkit. And it's mm-hmm. easy to use, and there's instructions there, or at least you know it's fairly self-explanatory. And with MasterCoin, I kind of view it like you get a toolkit, but it comes with a plumber. And so if you like the plumber and you get along with the plumber and everything works well, mm-hmm. then that's great. The plumber can probably make it easier for you. But if not, mm-hmm. you would almost rather just have the toolkit because it's not going to give you the headache. So Interesting. Uh, the other thing is, though, of course, that MasterCoin has a budget. They raised money, and so like they have the ability to make stuff happen. And Counterparty doesn't. Counterparty did something called Proof of Burn that distributed the token by having people send Bitcoin to an address where it could never be recovered. And so the development team didn't get it. They actually destroyed some of their own tokens in order to vest themselves into the Counterparty token. But wow. uh, so, so, so like – it's not like you can say that one is necessarily better than the other. They're just different. And I think that that's the most exciting part about this whole space right now is that there are so many different takes on this same problem. There are so many people who look at the problem and see just a little bit of a different issue and solve it in a different way. I think that's going to continue. Tatiana, tell us about your experience in setting this up. I know Adam has been advising you and uh, you know your area of expertise isn't necessarily – the technical side of things. What's it been like for you as a non-technical person to go through this process? I think like with any new technology and with any kind of startup kind of thing, there's going to be a lot of challenges and there's going to be a lot of unforeseen, I don't know, obstacles. In retrospect, you know, a lot of that stuff I think could have been avoided because it has been a little bit stressful, but we're trying to do something that's like never been done before. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to happen. Yeah. My whole objective with this process is to help other people avoid that in the future. So if I start asking some of my cool friends in Liberty Movement that I, you know, really respect what they're doing or whatever, and I want to encourage them to do their own coin, I want them to have a seamless, wonderful experience with it. So then they go and tell their friends how great it was. And it's just nice and easy. And this has been stressful. (laughs) So in the end, I think that we've, we've really got a great product. And you have to kind of go through some ups and downs in order to to come to a a plane. John, the thing that we keep running into with this is that it's like we've built, you know, Tatiana and I are building a car, right? And there will be lots of different people who build lots of different cars out there. And cars are useful because now we have this highway that is Bitcoin, you know? the, Mm -hmm. The infrastructure is in place. But the thing that we're lacking is gas stations, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, so the car is only as you, so, so we have to wait to a certain extent for people to build these gas stations and then, yeah. you know, it extends the usability of these things. And so that's really what I think a lot of this has been is just that's, you know, you need to build those first ones. It's been very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. 
Well, why don't uh, both y'all go ahead and share some of the challenges? Uh, I'm sure there's people that are listening that are interested in potentially starting their own coin. I know my wife and I, her big passion, she's really excited about this project that we've been visioning and, and reaching out to people. It's going to be called Uncoin. It'll essentially be a token that's uh, intended for unschoolers, a movement of of uh, educational families that give the children the reins of their education. The parents empower the children based on what their interests are. She wants to create a coin that they can use as a medium of exchange, that they can use at these different conferences that take place across the country, uh, perhaps into the wallet. It could have some sort of messaging system. Uh, so we've already had a little bit of experience of talking with some of these different groups, and it is a pretty you know, the, the waters are pretty muddy. It's kind of difficult to navigate. There's different options. There's different obstacles. So, uh, you know, what are just some basic things that you would recommend to someone to be aware of when they start down this path? It's just really important that you have a good relationship with your team. You try and get people who have experience with this um, and people who are, you know, accountable and you have to be a little bit patient. And I think, honestly, if I were somebody and I wanted to do a coin, I would see what I did with my coin and just copy it. <laughs> <laughs> and like take the good things out of it and the bad things. Um, and, and I'm going to be doing a Q&A with Adam all along the journey. So if people are interested, they can kind of tune in with us. The schedule's up on the website for when we're going to be doing it. But weekly, we're going to have Q&As. So I think, you know, just pay attention because it's not over yet. We're still making it. So take a step back. Maybe, I, I, don't, I don't want people to have a bad experience. So I would say like wait a month or two before making a coin and see what happens with mine. And you definitely don't want to go it alone, right? You, you stress the importance of having a team of people. Oh, no, you can't. You can't. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to think about. I mean, CoinPowers is going to be doing some stuff. I'll probably be doing some consulting. I mean, there's not many people that have a lot of experience with this. Mm -hmm. And who knows? You know, we got to see how it goes first. It's always harder on the front end. I definitely want to talk about CoinPowers more later. But Adam, what are your thoughts? One of the real big questions about all this stuff is what the heck do you, what do you charge for something like this? Uh, you know, I mean, like what, what should a Tatiana coin cost? And this was something that, uh, you know, while we were working on Tatiana coin, I've been working on a lot of other projects too that I'm consulting with. And I'd been watching MadeSafe a lot. And MadeSafe was one of those projects that really, I, I don't know, uh, John, how much you paid attention to it, but they thought that they were going to fail. Uh, and you can see this in the way that they set up their incentive structure, where people who donated in the beginning or donated from MasterCoin as opposed to Bitcoin were really incentivized to do it. And so they had this incentive structure. They basically said that we know what the price is going to be. We know how many total we're going to have. And we also know how long it's going to take. It's going to take four weeks. So the price, that stayed put. The supply, that was also true. But the duration, the duration was the one thing that they couldn't actually control. And so they wound up having the entire sale happen in about five hours, as opposed to the four weeks that they were anticipating, because they had created a system that was totally out of equilibrium, and that was the only way that it could correct itself. So we looked at that when we were thinking about how we should go to market with Tatiana Coin, because again, what's a fair price for Tatiana Coin? How do you even determine how many there are? You really can't. So what we came up with is this model that actually is borrowed from the AngelShares project that, that BitShares did, where basically you say, okay, every day there's going to be 100,000 Tatiana coins that are going to be distributed to donors who donate on that day. This is going to go on for 30 days, and at the end of those 30 days, there will be 3 million total Tatiana coins in the wild, and that'll, that's all that there will be until she does another fundraising drive to do something else, at which point more might be created depending on the economics of it. So if you donate on a day to Tatiana's campaign when nobody else donates, then you get the entire money supply that's allocated that day. 
If you donate and I donate, we each donate one Bitcoin or even 0.01 Bitcoin, then we each split it. So it's not about the price. It's just about mm. how much relative demand there is from the actual market. So each one of these days actually winds up being a price setting event where we start off. We don't have to know what the price is. We just say, figure it out crowd what this is worth to you and then they compete with each other essentially for it and wherever the equilibrium winds up that's what we figure out yeah so i guess the real question just comes with the distribution of the initial coins and after that point once people have the coins the market itself determines what the value is and it's a much more real price too because you know leading up to that point like with made safe who the heck knows what a fair price is and we've actually seen that it's gone down below the crowd sale <laughs> price and again, that's just because like it's not that they like were wrong or evil or anything. They just couldn't know. But people want to act like they know. They want to act like, oh, well, yeah, obviously, I, I know the answer because I'm in charge of this. When in reality, a lot of what we're doing here is giving up control of these things to the market. Interesting. Tatiana, do you have any insights on what it takes? Because I think the determination of value is a very difficult question in exploring economic theory and, and then the actual the practical application of determining value. I read some economics books and stuff like that, but I'm not, that's not my forte. The thing that I, I take away from this is that I think Adam knows what he's talking about and I trust Adam. And I think the other people that I've surrounded myself are knowledgeable and they're pure of heart. So I think that whatever we're trying out is going to support the free market model the way that it's been explained to me. So that seems okay. But beyond that, I don't think that I can really weigh in on that because it's just not something that I'm particularly great at. So what's the rollout of Tatiana Coin going to look like? When does this launch and how can people participate? So June 3rd is when we're launching. It's going to be at like 12 a.m., so basically the night of the 2nd Pacific Standard Time. And it's going to run until 11.59 Pacific on July 1st, so basically until the end of July 1st, the day. People can participate at coinpowers.com after June 3rd. That's when the coin is going to launch. But all the information about everything is right now at tatianacoin.com. And we have a video that me and Adam did when I was out in Napa last week. So we put something together really nice. Adam did a great job. I think that people can find out more information there. Plus, it's going to be you know a lot of different interviews. And I've written some blogs about it and the Q&A. So people can kind of follow along and, and go along this journey with us and hopefully help us spread the message about our project and, and support it. Cool. Let, let's talk more about coin powers. It seems like a really cool just application that people can use. It It appears as if it will really help kind of hold people's hands and, and, and empower them or at least give them the confidence that's needed to, to embark on this journey. Adam, tell us what, what coin powers is all about. Coin powers is, um, is what I call a middle layer, right? <laughs> that goes between counterparty or master coin or colored coins and the user. While you can do this stuff, while you can, you know, set up a campaign and, and do these things successfully all by yourself, it's very difficult uh, to do it in a way that is actually going to succeed because you, it's, it's, it's not just a technical challenge anymore. The technical part actually becomes the easy part. And instead, really what you're left with is a marketing challenge and, uh, you know, and a branding challenge and essentially just bringing a product to market, a crowdfunding challenge. And uh, in our particular industry right now, you know, that means that only people who have Bitcoin or people who have, um, who have one of these uh, Metacoin currencies can participate. So it's a kind of small crowd there to begin with. But at its core, CoinPowers is one of several platforms that are coming out 
that are designed to empower people, like you said, you know, to make it so that this goes from being something that's intimidating and difficult to being something that's that's very easy. And other uh, platforms coming out are focused on like bringing real companies, you know, into crypto equity with a token that represents their stock. Like, I mean, that's a that's an ambitious model that I'm not particularly, you know, I don't want to take on that dragon myself. But I think that on the other side of it, you've got distributed applications, you know, all this, you, you hear the example of, uh, you know, like a distributed Dropbox. And that's really indicative of a whole class of things. I mean, think of any sort of web application or web service, uh, and chances are pretty good that you could make, a same, make the same argument about it, that it should be done with a token and it, in a decentralized fashion. Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. And the yeah. website's coinpowers.com. It looks like anybody that's interested in getting into this space, this would definitely be a good a good place to start. Let's take a moment to chat about some more of the Bitcoin 2.0 or Metacoin applications that are out there. I understand you're working on on a handful. One that really caught my attention, it was at the Texas Bitcoin Conference at the Hackathon. And uh, I'm not sure if this was if this particular program was built. It, it was built on top of the Bitcoin platform. Um, essentially, it was a decentralized rideshare program that utilizes the blockchain and GPS technology in order to link up people that are going into town and people that need a ride into town. And why it appealed to me so much, outside of just the fact that it's a great idea and a wonderful application of this technology, is uh, about six months to a year ago in Austin, there was a centralized application. There was this company, a corporation, wanting to put out an app that did pretty much the same thing except in a centralized fashion. And they actually got City of Austin incorporated because Austin, much like every big city, uh, is greatly – the city council is greatly influenced by the taxi cartel. They have a lot of leverage. And it just brought so much joy to my heart as an anarchist and an activist to hear about this protocol and to wait till it launches. I'd love to – let them know that there's absolutely nothing you could do to shut down this application. That's just scratching the surface. That's just one application. Adam, why don't you tell us about some of the ones you're working on? I'm especially interested in learning more about permacredits, being a permaculture and sustainability guy myself. Tell us about some of these applications that you're working on. That you're yeah, this with. actually loops around kind of nicely to, to the beginning of this conversation, John, where I mentioned that my primary interest in this is that it breaks monopolies. And what you just described there is exactly that. You know, but, but it even mm -hmm. goes beyond that. I, I know that you asked for specific examples. Permacredits is basically these same concepts applied to the reinvention of how you, how you fundraise and finance land development deals. You could always do this, but this makes it so that you can use the liquidity of, of essentially cryptocurrency crowdfunding to do it, and then you're not locked into it afterwards. I mean, that's the other interesting part about these tokens is that if you support a Kickstarter campaign or you make an investment, generally it's quite onerous to actually get your money back and get out of it if the project doesn't succeed or if you want to get out halfway through. But the token totally solves that problem. So I think that you can take these sorts of things and really just apply it to any sort of I mean, to, to any sort of community, like you were talking about with Uncoin for the unschooling system. You know, you can. You can essentially build your entire community into this application layer, where if that's the community that you want to most associate with, you now have the ability to have the ability to spend money easily with them, with the money that you both commonly recognize as, uh, as valuable, to, to communicate again. Like, I think that all of these blockchain-type applications, people are really into pairing services with them and attaching bit message style things. And all that stuff is plausible. You know, the technology needs to be worked on more, but it's these initial efforts that are really moving us in that direction of these things, not just being plausible, but a strong possibility. And then, oh, hey, look, it's over there. That's, you know, its name is Bob. Yeah. What are some uh, of the other applications you're working on? Um, other applications I'm working on. 
shoot, I can't, I can't tell you about most of them, John. I apologize. Before, when I was talking about them, everything was was really light, and they were like maybe going to happen. And now we're going forward, and they're going to happen. So there's actually concerns now. Back to the ride sharing thing, real quick. I think that this monopoly thing that we're seeing here, as it breaks up, is going to have an interesting impact on people because I don't know what you think are going to happen to like like jobs or careers. But it's become increasingly apparent to me that this ability for everyone to have pervasive communication means that we no longer need to have permanent relationships like that. We no longer need to have careers unless it's something that you actively want to do. Work is most valuable at the time when it is needed right now, when it needs to be done right now. It's not valuable three days before or two days after it's done right now. So right now we have systems where if someone calls in sick, there's no backup plan because the whole thing is based on scheduling out people long in advance and then hoping that their schedule doesn't change in that interim. But now again, with these distributed and decentralized technologies and the ability to communicate pervasively, we can completely eliminate that and say, okay, well, I pull up my uh, job app in the morning here. I've you know already configured it to look for the types of work that I'm interested in doing today in the times of day that I'm interested in looking for it, go for proximity, bam, there you go. You know, and it shows you the most profitable jobs, how long each one will take. And so again, like currency, like Andrea says, really is the first application layer of this because having these tokens enables everything. With these tokens, you can, you know, you just like imagine something. And then if you think about it long enough, you can probably figure out a way to make it so that the, the distribution of the token incentivizes whatever type of behavior you want, whether it be education or I mean, car rate. I mean, like, seriously, like, it doesn't have to be legal. It can mm-hmm. be whatever. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, you describing the how it could really throw a kink in the traditional notion of, of work, the boss-worker relationship in, in most instances for most people. Uh, it caused me to think of a good friend of mine. His name's Scott Crow. He's a social libertarian anarchist, really respectful guy. He's been doing a lot of activism for quite some time. And I recall about a year ago, he had a post that was kind of bashing Bitcoin and, and being an anti-capitalist social anarchist, he probably just you know felt offended by it because it's money or whatnot. But just as you described, these decentralized protocols in general and the blockchain uh, technology in general, it has the ability to throw a kink in, like I said, the traditional notion of a boss-worker relationship. If you no longer need the institution to have the capital or to have the... Uh, the access to the consumer, and you can directly access the consumer. And on that token, pun intended, the consumer can directly access you. Uh, that's a that's an application that I hadn't even really considered. That's that's great. I love how these things just pop into your head when you're having conversations. Like, oh, the blockchain could be used for that to improve that and improve exactly. that. Well, let me give you one more, John, because there's another one. You know, circling back around again to the music conversation. You know, right now we're talking about Tatiana, and this is Tatiana Coin is a token that supports her music, that supports her career, and that frankly will appreciate and value as people. Uh, as more people learn about Tatiana's music and also want to hold that coin, it's the same basic premise as, as any of these cryptocurrencies. But if you take this and you, you walk it out a few more steps, think about should people be paying for music at all? Who should be paying for music? What should be providing that value? And I was thinking about this a couple of – I guess it was a couple of months ago now. You know, radio is an interesting thing because – it doesn't pay anybody for content. They just take it, and then the, the distribution is the service that's being provided. That is the value add. But distribution from radio is now terrible. I mean, there's literally zero reason to do it unless you're trying to reach an incredibly specific niche audience. So what if instead we had like a top 100 or top 1,000 chart for any sort of genre you could imagine, and uh, you know it all started as one first, and then as it gets too big, it would split off into other ones. And essentially, when you are, as an artist, create a new piece of music, the first thing you do is you upload it to the service. 
When you do that, it takes a proof of existence, essentially a fingerprint of your song, timestamps it in the blockchain, whether whatever blockchain it is, and then that essentially is your copyright. You you have just established that since you uploaded it before anybody else did, that you own it. And if anybody comes along and has a modified version or whatever, um, then you can just look both at the, is it the original version? No. Okay, when is the timestamp? Okay, my version that I uploaded since I'm the creator of it is the first one. Therefore, this is the valid one and the other one is not. So you have that side of it, and then you give people the ability to rate songs themselves using these tokens, mm-hmm. right? So, so this wouldn't be a Tatiana coin token. This would be a top 100 platform token or something like that. You, you play it out, and you can set it up in such a way so that the platform distributes the tokens to the most successful songs on the platform, which then have mm-hmm. the ability to either hold them expecting that the platform will continue to appreciate as more people find it or to sell them, which is monetization for the artist. And so like, again, as you were saying, it completely disrupts the relationship, but it not just, not just between the individuals, but actually the entire thing, the entire flow of money through the system. Now the consumer doesn't provide any money. All the consumer is doing is providing curation, is validating music, is validating songs. And then the platform is looking at that and recognizing the ones that are being held up above the rest and giving those the honor, just like miners in the Bitcoin system have the honor of being the first one to receive the tokens. Yeah, man, it's, it's game changing for sure. And um, every single industry is going to be touched by this, whether they want to or not. And it always favors the little guy and favors the market over the monopoly men. I'm super excited to see it disrupt now the music industry with Tatiana Coin. So uh, before we let you guys go, Tatiana, just give us a reminder again when this is launching and what people can do to participate in this process. Sure. June 3rd to July 1st, we're going to be launching it. People can find out at TatianaCoin.com or go to CoinPowers.com on June 3rd. And that's where people can use their Bitcoin to buy Tatiana Coin. Um, So we hope that people join us. And uh, that's it. Thanks very much for having us on. Oh, they can follow us on uh, Queen Tatiana and uh, Tatiana Coin on Twitter. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Sovereign BTC, your guide to the practical side of everyday Bitcoin use. So excited about Bitcoin 2.0. You just wait, folks. You're just going to continue to hear about the multitude of uses. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for everything you do for the cause of Bitcoin. Remember, folks, spend your Bitcoins. Grow the ecosystem. If you want the value to rise, you have to build value with those Bitcoins. Frequent Bitcoin merchants, frequent anyone that's accepting or trading in Bitcoin, check out GYFT.com, GIFT.com. You can buy stuff from Target, Whole Foods, Amazon, anything that suits your fancy, you should be able to find through GIFT.com. I just want to remind you once again, as I always do at the end of the program, use Bitcoin, live free, and prosper.